This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. It's my great pleasure to introduce our post-screening discussion, which features three distinguished scholars of South Asian history, culture, and religion, Professors William Ellison, Chris, Christian Lee Novetsky, and Andy Rotman. As I noted in my opening remarks, they co-authored the 2016 book entitled Amar Anthony Akbar. No, oh, sorry, Amar Akbar Anthony. How could I miss that? I'm watching the movie. Uh, Bollywood Brotherhood and the Nation. As one of the re- reviewers of their books uh, has, have, this book has exclaimed, "Quote in this new book, three passionate lovers of Hindi cinema tell each other anecdotal tales about a film that has touched their lives and that of thousands of Indians in the 1970s." Amar Akbar Anthony is one of India's most beloved films, but even at the time of its release, it was described by critics as implausible and a giant-sized escapist fare. Even in current accounts, um, Amar Akbar Anthony has been, and I quote from another critic, too easily discounted as a cheesy and cumbersome relic of the 1970s. Writing collaboratively, the three authors plumb the depths of their collective knowledge of South Asian history, religion, language, and politics to resuscitate this film and, in the process, frame frame entertainment as embedded social practice. Professors Ellison, uh, Novetsky, and Rotman will soon join us on stage. They have asked me to share uh, these thoughts with you in this in-between time as we set up for the post-screening discussion. What they asked me to relate to you, and I quote, and I'm quoting from them, quote, if there are aspects of this movie that bugged you, seem contradictory, or just didn't make sense, please don't hesitate to ask questions. We think this film has many layers. In interpreting them, we have taken inspiration in the words the director gave when he was asked about his message of brotherhood across religious boundaries. He didn't want to be preachy, he said, and he felt that making a serious didactic message movie would be like forcing down medicine down the throats of the audience. He offered two alternatives to, this, to the kind of movies that might be made, the sugar-coated pill and the homeopathic pill. A sugar-coated pill disguises the medicine, that is, the message, in entertaining jokes, songs, and escapism. By contrast, the, the homeopathic homeopathic pill irritates the body, stimulating it to cure itself. So they say, maybe the irritating parts of the movie, the seeming discontinuous and ruptures that stay with you after you've watched it, can be thought of as homeopathic pills, end quote. Although the film has often been read as a parable, depicting India's model of secularism and religion, religious unity and diversity, our distinguished panelists um, see something very different, They argue that the film is filled with contestation and even confusion in which the logical and the illogical are in harmony. So please join me in welcoming our distinguished guests, William Ellison, Christian Lee Novetsky, and Andy Rotman. (laughs) It wasn't exactly who I was expecting. Who are these people? Inspector Amar. Isna Chizko Akbar Ilahamadi Kete. 
Anthony. Anthony Gonzalez. No violence. No violence. This film was made to celebrate the great Indian virtue of nonviolence. Under the statue of Gandhi, it is written in Sanskrit, Ahimsa Paramo Dharmaha. Nonviolence is the premier form of righteousness. And that's why this movie is about nonviolence, peacefulness, how peacefulness shows the way forward. And uh, brotherhood is the lot of all Indians. Uh, and once we are united, we become heroes of this movie. Amen. <laughs> Shall we sit down, brothers? Were you going to tell us something about dharma, Amr? No, what I wanted to say is at least a sort of what the film's really about, and what the film's really about is about me. Um, Amr's the hero of the film, Amr's the star, Amr's the central character, he's the moral center. As you probably noticed from watching the film, it starts on August 15th, Independence Day. It is the story of the nation, the family as the nation, the family coming undone, three brothers separated from their family and each other, raised in separate faiths, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, and Amar, the only character to maintain his faith, Hinduism, the only character to follow his father's profession, as opposed to being what? A local big I'm man? I'm an artist. A dada? <laughs> I am an artist. Artist. <laughs> and Amar, as the police officer, literally takes the law in his own hands. Right? In this new moment, post Emergency rule, 1977. Amr decides there's time for a new rule in town, a new law. And he does so. But it's not the same as the old law. It's a new rule, it's a new dharma, it's a new righteousness. Notice, too, how often Amr's work is outside the police precincts. Something happens, he's dharma, he's righteousness all the time. Lakshmi, the prostitute, right? we find her, what does he do? I bring her into my own home. No police station for her, and I personally rehabilitate her. So you're saying you're sort of the most righteous character in the movie, is I'm that right? I'm the most it, righteous character in the movie. And maybe the... Most the, boring. Yeah. I mean, morality. Mm. Uh, is that what people go to see the movies for? So why do you I think mean, they, is, why do they go see the movies? And, you know, I, I get that the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie maybe belong to you, uh, especially if you count your sort of... Uh, uh, your little juvenile type understudy. Um, there's, there's a lot you see of him at the very start of the movie. I'll give you that. But nobody goes to see an Indian movie for a moral. And nobody goes to see it for the story, in fact. What you go to see a movie for is the songs. And I don't think there's any question who the greatest singer is in the movie. There's something like, I think, seven songs in the movie uh, of which five are Akbar's solos. Mm -hmm. um, you could really make a good case, I think, that I'm the hero of the movie uh, because I provide the most pleasure in the movie. Uh, I'm the most memorable character in the movie. I'm the one whose tunes you hum as you're uh, walking out of the theater. Um, and I would, I would even go Gonzalez. farther than that <laughs> um, and say that I'm really I'm the, the sentimental heart of the movie. When the... the uh, when my first show-stopping number, Parda He Parda, There is a Veil, uh, when the veil lifts on the stage 
And you see me, in, in fact, before you see me in my happy green Islamic suit, uh, you see my big green heart on the stage. My logo is a heart. Uh, that's because I am the emotional center of the movie, um, and a certain, uh, we'd say, a certain formula of where authentic truth lies and the heart as the repository of that authentic truth. Uh, this movie projects that to you mediated through a set of symbols that are drawn from Sufism, Islamic mm. mysticism, and that's really the, the key to the movie. Mm. Can Anthony? I just interrupt, do you mind? Because I've been listening and it's something very funny that I'm hearing because you're not really sounding like a policeman or a kawal. You sound like, uh, with this uh, you know, postmodern interpretation, you sound like a couple of religious studies professors. <laughs> so let me try to put this in terms that are more universally understood. Right? The terms of percentages. I'm a man that's all about percentages. 50% for me, 50% for Jesus. That's our deal. So let's just think for a minute how many scenes Ahmad is in. You were probably all counting, but I think it's about... Seven or eight? It's about 20%. It's about 20% of the film. And you, my dear younger brother, you were in about 35%. Me, I was in around 50%. 50% for me, 50% for Jesus. That's our deal. Now, if you think about the scenes where we appear together, Ahmad and I, we appear together in about five. Akbar and I in about five. How many scenes do the two of you appear together and without me there? Wait, before you guess, I'll tell you. One. One boring scene where there's no fighting. Well, at least there's no romance. I'm just saying. That if you think carefully about this, you will see that the middle brother is in the center. What's what's so interesting about that is in our one scene, Amar, righteousness, who has the law in his own hands, goes to Anthonyville. Right? Where Anthony is the local dada, he has his own rule there, a rule outside the rule of state, and he can't even control it. Lawlessness happens there, Robert is there, he's held Robert, I and when I come down, control. you lie to the police, and even when I take off my uniform, so you're just fighting an ordinary civilian, you still lie, and I still beat you up, shamelessly, and then bring you to the police station. You you seem to be making some kind of case that where both of you are engaged in a lot of fisticuffs, violence, uh, there's this easy recourse to beating up on each other as though that's going to accomplish something. Uh, Perhaps it it provides some kind of narrative momentum. It it moves the story forward, it's true. Um, But it it seems to me that your claim to... uh, deriving some kind of message out of the fact that, yes, it's true, you always beat him. Uh, Because you're on the side of righteousness, because you're the law and he's not the law. Uh, Hindus famously, you know, uh, in in the very multivalent term dharma, collapse a number of terms translatable into English variously as the law, righteousness, order, religion, duty, Um, But I don't think that is where truth in this movie ultimately lies. Um, I think there are two characters who are carriers of authentic truth in this movie beyond mere questions of the law, who can straighten out society, what kind of rules you should be following in society, because ultimately society, as represented to you through this kind of phantasmagoric, kaleidoscopic, 
colorful, ever-shifting, uh, bizarre city of Bombay where everybody seems to be wearing a costume or a disguise, it's a realm of falsehood. Or, as in India we say, whether we're Muslims or Hindus, I don't know about you guys, but we <laughs> say ultimately it's an illusion. Mm. There are two characters in this film who know that Bombay is illusion, that modernity is illusion. Mm. And one of them is the singer who is a mystical adept. And when he sings, he sings truth to power. He cuts through the illusion. If you want to know what's true in this movie, ultimately what's true in this movie is love and family and blood. How do you get that message? You listen to the songs. You listen to the music. There's one other character we haven't mentioned. We owe her kind of a lot. Yeah, we owe her But Mother is a carrier of truth in this movie because she's blind, because most of what you see in Bombay is not really worth looking at. Please it's don't talk to me about, about Ma. Please. Ma left us. I had to carry Ma's note with me my whole life, and I knew that she had abandoned us. Are you saying she's a bad mother? She's a you terrible think, mother. Hmm? She's a mother that abandons her children. Don't talk to me about Ma. No, you're, you're being really harsh on Ma. Um, I, I don't see her as having abandoned us. It's, it's almost like, like she's Mother look, India. And no, she has no, 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 children no, down. No, 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 no. Can you no. get that sense? It's, she may be a, a little, little wayward. She may have gone wrong. She sort of went off the rails. I, I think, you know, for the non-Indian members of our audience here, it's helpful to, to think of uh, two very celebrated movies from, uh, from the United States and from Great Britain. Uh, there's It's a Wonderful Life, the Frank Capra movie. Um, then there's, uh, I think it's called A Matter of Life, a Matter of Life and Death, uh, that's the British title. In America, it was called Stairway to Heaven. Um, in both of these films, the central character is, he's being put on trial by God, although you know, the, neither of these is a particularly overtly theological movie. Um, but the hero goes through a kind of trial where he is... Um, he exists in a kind of limbo-like condition between life and death. Uh, and the idea is he's being put on trial until he makes the right decision, until he figures something out. And I think that is what the Almighty, is what uh, Allah, I, if you like, is I subjecting have, Ma to. I, um, have a, I have a different read on Ma. I mean, if we notice early on, Ma is blessed by Santoshima, right, the goddess. Right? She has the goddess's protection, and she passes that protection on to her husband. And later, Robert recognizes, right? He recognizes that that, in fact, is what has protected Kishinla. So she, he has this protection, and as soon as he gains Santoshima's protection, what happens? The three of us get separated from our parents, but we also get separated from the slum. The three of us are actually raised by much better parents. The great irony here, right, is that Part of God's will here was to get us out of the slum, to get us out of our way of the biological parents, right? So that we could have new, really good parents and then give life back to Ma. That's the beauty of the blood transfusion scene where the three of us come together to give life back to Mother. She gave us life and we get to give her life back. I think earlier you mentioned uh, Ma's name, Bharati, means India. the character's name could be translated into English as Mother, Mother India. India. Now, when you're saying that we give her new life, we infuse her with new life, we've had this chance to leave the slum behind and rejuvenate our Mother India, 
Are you implying that this film is a national allegory? No, obviously it's not that. Oh. That would be reading way too much into the film, <laughs> I think. <laughs> what do you all think? National allegory? Yeah. Ooh. So would, would then in turn leaving the uh, slum behind, for example, mean something mapped onto national history, let's say? Um, it doesn't go unnoticed by anybody in this room, I'm sure, that August 15th is Indian Independence Day. So this is an Independence Day for the three of us when we're separated from our parents. Does that make it a story about partition? And overcoming partition, maybe. Mm. If it's only by the three of us coming together that our moribund and wayward mother mm. can be brought back on the right track. But maybe she is on the right track. Maybe part of the divine plan is a way to help us move forward, to move out of the slum, to move beyond our kind of, kind of pedestrian identities, right? To identify with others, right? You're, you're a good Hindu boy. Gone I beg astray. your pardon. You were a good Hindu boy. Now, I was never good. Not that good. A little good. Well, I think that you kept you... on wanting to, to steal his gun. What was up with that? Oh, we'll get to the gun. I we'll had get gun to the gun. I think that you are forgetting some important details. I am the only one who loses his father. Let's remember that. My father dies. Right? The padre dies. But I get three mothers. I How have do you get Bharti. three mothers? I have Bharti. I have Mother Mary. And I have Santoshima. So I really have three mothers that come to my rescue. And only one of them is Mother India. Would you say that has something to do with uh, your particular religion? Or is it maybe symbolic of something else that you represent? I, I am the mayor of Anthonyville. This means I'm the mayor of my own state, and I make my own deal with God. So I see myself a little different than the two of you. Hmm. I see you two as having fathers, masters, that lord over you. I have none. I'm an independent man. So why is it from even childhood you wanted my gun? Right? Dad comes back from prison with gifts for all of us, right? and a gift for you, and he brings a gun for me, and right away you claim it as your own, fighting for it, and I have no choice but to go outside and bury it, because I'm afraid that you're going to have it and do something with it. Because you are my big brother. I want to be like you, but I also want to take what you have. <laughs> That's what the middle brother does. Hmm. You know, middle brother, I would have... Uh, th there's another question I want to ask you, which is that... Uh, in, the, in the one song, really, that people remember where I am not the soloist, um, <laughs> this, this happens on Easter, mm. the Christian festival of rebirth. Uh, I don't remember and, that night so well. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what I believe I just saw on the screen was nothing that I think can be characterized as particularly Christian once you come out of the egg. I mean, I understand that eggs rebirth, Easter, they all kind of come in a package together. Uh, but what I see coming out of the egg is not a, a kind of um, 
celebration or stereotype or parody of a Christian person so much as it's a stereotype of an English person? Hmm. Well, that's a complicated <laughs> question, my brother. <laughs> uh, and I'd say a 19th century English person. Yes, a 19th century English person involved in the colonization of India. That's correct. Those, those are words I memorized in school from uh, Disraeli, who was the prime minister, when, uh, when India became an official colony. Um, and I also think it sounds really smart in English to say that. So, well, you only think that because you're a sophisticated rhetorician intoxicated by the uh, elements of your own atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it is that blood in the atmosphere that I think binds us together. And that maybe enables you to overcome that kind of foppish, top-hatted Victorian Englishman. Mm. So I have a question for the two of you. Um, the one song that we do share together... Um, it really distinguishes me. Um, <laughs> both of you are intoxicated by passion. You're both chasing after women. I mean, most of the movie, chasing after women. And we wonder how sound you are, that you can see a woman and literally see stars and hear bells. And we this... have Akbar over here faking ailments, going to the hospital, chasing after a woman. Then when he finally gets a chance at a stage just like this, what does he do? He totally embarrasses her, right? Singing such that she unveils herself. So we have these two great, love you guys, brothers, always. Um, but chasing after women, you a little think bit lustful, lying, and then me on the other side, chased, mature. I bring luxury back oh, into my house. Very and next boring. thing, we're married. Just mm. like that. Much better than a prison cell. I mean, if, you're, if, if you want to go there. <laughs> I want to go there. Let's talk about our girlfriends. I think Wife. I... Wife. I think... I think I have the most interesting one. She is educated in a foreign country. She only flies Swiss Airlines. She has a beautiful house. <laughs> she loves speedboats just like me. And to go back to my point about me being in the middle, the center, the middle brother, the middle of the movie, once Jenny and I get married, because Jenny is the abducted daughter of our father, Kishinlal, right, and the actual daughter of Robert, then once we get married, I've already married my stepsister. Oh, this is more of your kinship game. Somehow mm. you've got I bring the whole family and... together. You know, the reason why he sees stars and, and kind of multiple visions, why, why reality, or I should say reality, phenomenal reality fragments in his eyes, is those are his moments of actual insight. That's when he gets to cut through the illusion of phenomenal reality, of the veil, as it were. Because once in a while, the veil lifts for my Christian brother. Not that he has the insight of a true Sufi, a Muslim, but because he's a man who knows how to love. Um, and alcohol is clearly helps on, him. Well, you know, alcohol is a I way have a liquor license. It's, it's open to people who aren't hopeless doctrinaire squares. It uh, should be pointed out that in this movie, there's a good Muslim man and a bad Muslim man. I'm the good Muslim man. Really? And the bad Muslim man is, uh, is this guy, is the old bearded hypocrite who follows dogma, who doesn't concede that the heart knows the most direct way of all, 
that uh, truth is love. Um, he's the kind of guy who believes that women can't be trusted to police their own sexuality, that they have to wear veils, uh, that religion is a matter of rules and dogma. Um, maybe something like you, Amar Bhai, with all of your, again, it's dharma, dharma, dharma mm-hmm. with you. Mm. So stuck up. Passion doesn't need to be undisciplined. Passion can be directed such that it's a vehicle for cutting through the veils of phenomenal reality. Passion can get us beyond all of the BS of Bombay in the uh, 1970s. I just, so the three of us, it's Independence Day. Where does dad place us for refuge? Under a Gandhi statue. Seems reasonably logical, except it provides no refuge at all. Right? I mean, we're abandoned there. This is what I'm saying. We're abandoned. So By we're, Gandhi G himself. But we are abandoned there. But we at least, uh, Anthony Bai, for all our disagreements, at least you're doing your best to rule something, to offer some kind of discipline, some kind of government, something, so we're not just in now you're anarchy. Now sense, Amar Bai. Akbar over here, in his kind of Gandhian, oh, I could never lift a hand to do anybody, He's a little selfish. He seems to just be thinking about himself. Thinking about myself? I, just because I'm beholden to the principle that you shouldn't coerce people, but speak heart to heart, I hold out the possibility of not conversion, that's a bit of a loaded word in this context, but maybe a little gentle persuasion. If you can experience an authentic change of heart, then you'll be able to see with insight. Mm. So what do we do now that we know our true identities? What are our true identities? Am I Christian or am I the, the Hindu boy that, that ran to get food for my little brother? Can you be both? I don't know. I think we need, a, we need to look to a space of the future in which we can experiment and, and realize our destiny as modern Indians united in brotherhood. So here's a question for the, for the two of you. It's 1992, and there are riots happening in Bombay. There's a moment of communal disharmony. And on the television, they show our movie again and again and again, offering a kind of message right, for India. This is India in the 1990s. Why do you think they show our movie? What is it about our movie that still speaks to people? What's the message there? I think it's the scene with me at the mirror, <laughs> putting a Band-Aid on. That's, That's what I think it is. It's a it's Band-Aid. Shabbos. Well done. Okay. So illusion on illusion. Isn't what all of this is, is illusion? Some things are not illusion. What is true? What's real? You heard it in the lyrics to the very first song. The very first song, which is about blood being blood and not water. Uh, in the end, that's what's true. Kinship, brotherhood, blood. That's what you get to when you cut through the illusion. But I'm wondering if there are folks here in the audience who might be interested in contributing to this conversation. Hi, my name is Madhu, and I'm from, originally from India. Hello. And my dad has financed that movie. <laughs> Terrific! We had an email exchange. Yes. It's wonderful. Okay. 
So he was the financer of the movie and I did go to see the movie multiple times when it was being shot. Mm. So wow. I was there for the shootings. I was little. I used to go with my dad all the time. The way it works in India is you see a couple of reels of movie and then you finance that part and then you go further and further and dad always financed all Manmohan Desai's movies. Mm. So we knew him from the very beginning. Coming to your question about mother abandoning, I disagree on that part. Mm. Because, I apologize, but I'm telling you what, we grew up in India. We all three are from India, we all grew mm. up there. And it was the circumstances in India that forces a woman to abandon the child. I mean, she loves her kids. She's always remembering, but she, she was sick, she had no money. A husband who was an honest guy was put in that situation from his boss when he was, was a driver. She had no choice. I mean, she didn't abandon any of the three children. It was unfortunately that she was in that situation that she had no way out. There was no, in those days in India, in the 70s and 80s, very rarely a woman was that highly educated that would go out to work and earn a living. Now the times have changed in India. Everybody is out there, women who are educated and can work. But in those days, she had no option except her mind went wild of committing suicide and abandoning her children because she had no option. So that's one point I disagree. I, I think, I'm a, I think I, my feelings are a little uh, hurt by Ma, but I, I think I'm coming to agree with you. I'm a little harsh with Ma. Right. Thank and, you for that point. And uh, Amar Akbar Anthony is three different religions. In India, there was a lot of this stress and tension with uh, Hindus and Muslims from the very beginning, and now it's less, was bringing the three religions together, mm -hmm. the Christianity, the Hinduism, mm -hmm. and the Muslim. We live in, especially in Mumbai, we all live next to each other, and we don't have that stress, but there was that political stress mm. that was put upon us with families. Still today, I have Muslim friends, but we never had that animosity with each other. But the politically, it was put into our minds by the politicians. Mm. That's where it is. But that's what the ground of that movie, to bring all Indians, Muslim, Hindus, or Christians, mm. or anybody mm. under one country, saying that we, are, we live as brothers and sisters, as human beings. Yes, yeah, you, prob mm. you probably noticed that in Anthonyville, all religions are welcome, as long as I'm mayor. <laughs> I'll also add one of the very 1970s things about this movie, I think, is that it doesn't show you politicians who are manipulating people and uh, trying to uh, sow divisions among members of different communities. And that's very characteristic of films made, let's say, some years afterwards. This movie was also made under Indira Gandhi's uh, emergency rule. So in order to make any kind of statement about the role of the state, about what the righteous, uh, oops, what the righteous exercise of um, violence might be, what is legal and what is illegal and what's righteous and what's unrighteous, uh, I think it has to be it has to be expressed through, um, through religious symbolism. You can't criticize the government directly. 
Um, and then the, the um, convention changes a great deal, especially when you get to the films of the 1990s. Just to push back a little bit, I mean, one of the pleasures of this film that you've probably seen from the three of us is that it's open to multiple interpretations. The three of us disagree. If you see the film through Umar's eyes, you'll see one film. If you see it through Akbar's, you'll see another. If you see it through Anthony's, you'll see another. And if you see it through Ma's, that you'll see another. And you'll notice, too, that within our stories, there are kind of repetitions. And there are things that are open to interpretation. Certainly, as soon as Ma leaves the family, good family, good Ma, not she, whether we call it punished or not, a light bulb from heaven comes down, hits a branch, and she's struck and goes blind, all within about two minutes of leaving her family behind. Now, we might want to read that as a blessing, but we also might want to read that as a curse. And if we do want to read it as a blessing, she has just left Santoshi Ma behind. So has she embraced something else? These are complicated questions. And if she hasn't left Santoshi Ma behind, maybe it's a divine blessing that the three of us get sent off to different places. So the book that we wrote, um, this book uh, has a chapter for each brother and then a chapter for Ma. And when it was being reviewed uh, by the reviewers at Harvard, uh, one of the reviewers pointed out that it might cause readers some uh, confusion because we disagree with each other. In the book itself, there's no agreement. Uh, but we insisted that that was the point of the book. The book had to show that there is no agreement because if there is agreement, then the thing becomes inert. Right? You can't see a film over and over again if you can't discover something new in it, if you can't think something new each time. And that's why we love this film. So I just saw it now, I don't know, 22nd or something like that, right? <laughs> and we were discovering this. We were saying to each other, oh, hey, that just, what, do you remember that? I, mm -hmm. I hadn't seen that before. So um, yeah, we could that relate kind that of disagreement to... is what we're after. We like that. I, I think that's part of the, um, the genre or the super genre of which Amar Akbar Anthony is um, exemplary. This is a... Uh, films of this kind, especially films made by Manmohan Desai uh, in the 1970s, they were called masala movies. These are the direct ancestors, maybe, of the contemporary Bollywood form. And uh, Desai was a master of the form, um, to some degree. He can be credited with having invented it. The idea was you have to pack in, it, it's sort of like six different movies in one, because you're appealing to as broad an audience as possible, or possibly multiple audiences. And it's, you know, under, in, in line with this kind of business thinking, this kind of strategic thinking, how can I make one movie that only lasts three hours that can appease six different audiences simultaneously? This is before uh, home video. This is before multiplexes uh, back in the day. A theater like the Pollock Theater that seats 300 people is very small by urban Indian standards. So you're imagining some people who come who are looking to the film maybe for the justification of a moral lesson, and they think, yeah, Umar, upstanding guy, follows the rules, shows the way forward. He's what a policeman should be. He's what the Indian government should be. Somebody else thinking... Kawali is what I'm all about. I understand this movie has terrific Kawali music. I'm also partial to this kind of very symbolically laden Islamic poetry that plays with tropes like 
the ragged truth teller, the poet who's the only person who has the insight to cut through illusion. Other people come out for not just the Anthony character and the kind of story in which he's the hero and his heroics and his humor, but perhaps even more so the star behind the character, Amitabh Bachchan. Um, this is one of the films that really launched him into superstardom. And uh, we can argue back and forth about whether Anthony dominates Amitabh or Amitabh dominates Anthony. And I would say one more, that some people also come to the movie as well for the story of Ma, the story of Mother India, the story of India, and this moment of what is the fate of India? What is the fate of Ma? Will she be left abandoned on the street? Will she have a job? Will she sell flowers? Will she dispense blessings? Will the family come back together again? Will she be the head of the family? And if so, what kind? Akbar, in the moment when you suddenly discover that she is, in fact, your biological mother, do you abandon her? I wanted to build her a nice home in the suburbs with my brother. <laughs> I think that's where the, the film is. That's what we're looking to. I think when we take off in the car that I own and I'm driving <coughs> with my two brothers and our three brides, I think we're driving into the horizon of the future, mm -hmm. which is... Uh, the modern suburbs, which are just under construction in uh, Bombay, in Mumbai but, at that time. But shouldn't I say, isn't it interesting that the family reunion happens in a prison? There's a moment where justice is finally served. Our father, mm, right, mm. finally in prison, as he should be. We let him out for one big hug, little group hug. But then we're reunited there, right, under the auspices of the state. It's the state that brings us back together. It's Amma, right? What happens? Oh, where's dad? Hey, let's go to the police station and ask. Right? This is a moment of a kind of rehabilitation of the state. The state looks pretty good. By we the end of the movie. See, by the end, we might not see politicians, but Amar, in lots of extrajudicial activities, right? Number of times where I wear all those fantastic clothes, right? Mm -hmm. um, to rehabilitate Lakshmi in the final one-man band scene. There's only one person who's a one-man band. I don't need anybody else. Mm. One man band, three and one. One man band. Fine, but I'm the only person who can do miracles. Do you see what I did with those curtains? Do you see when I walked on air at the Easter dance? If it hadn't been for my faith, my insight, and my poetry, Sai Baba would have never worked the central Sai miracle Baba. of the movie. Did you notice next to Sai Baba there's a giant shivling? Sai Baba is a, it as a Shiva saint. Temple? Sai Baba is a Muslim. Sai Baba is a Muslim. He's a historical figure. He lived from the late 19th century till about 1920. Uh, and he practiced and preached in rural Maharashtra in a thoroughly Islamic mode. And now? <laughs> there's a exactly. lot of Shiva imagery. There's a lot of, there's a lot of symbolism. There's a Shiva Linga in the Sufi shrine. It's true. Okay. Um, so my, my question is probably moot now, but it was just to the feminist kind of, I appreciated that the the feminist perspective of you know the the mother abandoning her children um, you know when she's dying of TB and has no other options but um, I don't know if the father didn't go back to look for the kids or anything um, I guess there was a well one it was just really fun to watch and I think it's a great idea the book and the collaboration um, but, uh, yeah, one question. I, I noticed that there were um, transgender women in the movie, so Hijras, my, my friend, um, reminded me. And um, my, my parents happen to be from Pakistan, so that's kind of my 
um, my background, but I, I was wondering what you thought the role was of the hijras in the movie. And, and yeah. I, I bet we'll all disagree about this, too. <laughs> uh, but my, um, my immediate answer, after all, I am the star of that scene. So uh, here's, here's an interpretation I'll give you. I think that a lot of what goes on narratively with the Akbar character, as played by Rishi Kapoor, as opposed to Muhammad Rafi, who's his you know, golden voice when he opens his mouth and he sings. Um, but the, the kind of narrative component in which Akbar is the... He's sort of the hero calling the shots in a subplot, which in the book we call the Muslim subplot. And the Muslim subplot makes a lot of sense. It baffled us all at first. It baffled <laughs> me. Uh, until we watched a whole lot of older... Indian movies. There's a genre of uh, Bombay film called The the Muslim Social. Um, And it features a lot of poetry. There's always a Kawali number. Um, The heroes, the protagonists, tend to be um, sort of poetically inclined aristocrats and uh, high-class courtesans. Um, So along with the Kawali number, there's always a notch number where courtesan dances in her boudoir for her guests who are connoisseurs of the art of the dance, and the lyrics are sung in very literary-sounding, highfalutin Urdu. Now, one of the things that Amar Akbar Anthony does, I think, is to take that genre, which thrived into the 1960s, but now we're in 1977, it takes that genre and it kind of shrinks it and it turns it into comedy, And there's a statement here about, uh, oh, we loved those old aristocratic Muslims and the devotion to poetry and the claims of Sufis to have mystical insight. But that's all old-fashioned. It's tradition. It's a thing of the past. These movies are old-fashioned. That way of life is old-fashioned. We'll turn it into comedy, and we'll sort of tame it and assimilate it, and then we'll move on into the future. And so... In 1977, you don't have courtesans dancing beautifully. You have hijras dancing comically and ironically. I think that's, they, they work as a, a symbol of that diminution of, mm-hmm. of modern 1977, uh, the modern Bombay film industry's assimilation and sort of digestion, incorporation of mm-hmm. these older Muslim movies. I think this is an excellent question. And it's just the kind of question that, that we love because it makes us rethink things. My thinking about that is that there's, the, the film is kind of about a found family, but the irony of a found family. Right? So the brothers call each other brother, and they call, their, they call this woman mother, but they don't know that they're actually brothers, and they don't actually know that this is their mother, right? Or when, um, when Anthony first meets Kishinlal, he says, here's a flower for my father. We know it all to be irony because we know the real identity. But what we form is a found family of a mother and three brothers. And hijras, as you know, form a found family. They leave their families and they form a family, and it's a matriarchal family. But it's a community that they bring together, particularly in urban spaces, Mm -hmm. to support one another. Um, And I think there's something there that's a metaphor for what happens here. That, That found family comes together to help Akbar. Last, I'd say, is it's also fitting because so many hijras um, live within a kind of hybrid religious identity, a kind of Hindu-Muslim hybridity, which is very much like Akbar when 
he sings the Shirdiwala Sai Baba song. Right? Again, a kind of hybrid place. So he has hybrid friends to help this hybrid person. Great question. That this I is think over. So we have to go get into our jalopy now, I think. Is that I right? think that's what we do. Yeah. Drive off into the horizon of modern India's future. But the traffic that's is much worse in Bombay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys. Sabkumira salam. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.